Welcome to another episode of Winging It Motown Radio. We are in such a good mood right now because the Red Wings game ended about, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes ago um, against the Flyers. Uh, If you haven't read the recap or you didn't watch, they lost that game in overtime uh, in an extremely embarrassing fashion, uh, a game that was completely winnable. Uh, But we'll get into that in a little bit. Got sort of a small crew here for you tonight. Got me, Kyle, your host. Uh, You got JJ, and we've got Peter. Uh, Guys, how are you feeling tonight on this, what is now a Wednesday evening? (sighs) Right. (laughs) JJ? Hey. I am pink and starting to get dressed again. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was um really just overall like i don't even like okay so obviously we've had some time to really come down from the uh the uh uh the loss and the game as a whole but uh, i feel uh maybe about five minutes after the game um when i had all of my flyers friends texting me and sending <laughs> messages and tweeting at me. And I'm just sitting there trying to finish the recap. I was so angry um, that I was like, I don't know if I'm actually going to do this, for this podcast. Uh, but now that I've come down, I'm a little bit better. Um, so yeah, third loss in a row. Um, and they lose a game that was completely winnable. They come out, they look super hot in the, in the first period, uh, score two goals. Uh, and then they come out in the second period, and they did not look like that again uh, the entire game. Uh, so basically, at that point, uh, it was just a matter of, all right, let's just try and get through this and get out of here without anybody's head getting taken off. Well, someone's head almost did get taken off, Brennan Smith. Um, and... Uh, uh, the Red Wings blew a two-goal lead. They came. They came back and they scored a, the third goal to tie it up and or to to take the lead. And then um, the Flyers tied it, of course, because nothing in life is fair and nothing is beautiful. Um, and then this the complete collapse of shit show that the overtime overtime was. What. Which would seem to be a, a clear ch- a clear chance to put it away, and Darren Helm just I don't know if he had a brain fart or if he just didn't know what he was doing. I'm gonna go probably with he just didn't know what he was doing. Um, poor coverage as a whole, but it's three on three OT. It's hard to cover the entire ice, um, and then Mrazek just hung out to dry. No chance to stop that shot. Um, I have no positive takeaways from that game at all. Um, I think the coaching was poor. I think Blash Hill did a poor job. Uh, I think he put the wrong players in at the wrong time. Um, Darren Helm shouldn't have been out there, uh, in the first place, in my opinion. Um, I don't like seeing Zetterberg out there in the, in overtime. And I certainly don't like the OMG line being out there, uh, in the last, uh, seven minutes with uh, a one goal lead or even a tie game. So, 
uh, just an all-around bad outing and uh, doesn't really look too uh, positive on the Red Wings front right now. Uh, you guys, if you have any positive takeaways or if you just want to vent, um, I'll go ahead and open the floor to you. Uh, <laughs> JJ, why don't you go first? Uh, I'm not sure there's anything to be said anymore. I pretty well covered everything. Um, it wasn't entirely OMG. The uh, line that was trying to defend that one goal lead was Glenn Denning, Nielsen, and Miller, uh, with Glenn Denning taking the face off, which he lost cleanly, uh, playing in front of Erickson and Marchenko, who to that point in the game had already shown a shakiness that indicated they probably shouldn't have been trusted behind those guys. It was just basically an entire unit failure on that play that ended up tying it. Um, Shen made a real uh, clever play. Basically, he was already skating his way towards Morazic. He felt uh, contact by Nielsen and uh, essentially used that to fall over on top of the goalie, allowing Mark Streit to uh, to tie it up. Uh, no way that was going to get called back. The refs would have had to have made like such a hero decision, and I'm sure the crowd in Philly uh, would have rushed the ice and uh, literally <laughs> torn them to pieces had they... Uh, had they actually made the uh, goaltender interference call. Uh, yeah. the, the bottom line is that you've got to have, you got to play your skill. You got to uh, make the adjustments you make. Um, Zetterberg did score on a great play by Abdulkader and Tatar mostly. Uh, mm-hmm. Z on that play was, was kind of a passenger until it was the right time. And the finish was great, but I don't think he should have started overtime. I just don't think that he's, a good enough skater to do that anymore. Um, Helm holding it, he had a really good idea. He just didn't... He's going to get crucified by everybody for that. Um, he just didn't uh, didn't get the shot off, and that, that screwed everything up. I agree Helm shouldn't have been out there in the first place. As soon as Larkin came on, that should have been Athens to you with him. Um, but... Uh, and I don't necessarily think that DeKaiser should have been behind him either, but I, it's just... Uh, a whole bunch of just infuriating things happened. Um, honestly, a lot of people are mad at the refs. I'm, I'm not really. Like, I think the the Shen hit on Smith that was a it wasn't a pretty penalty. bad headshot. No, I think it should be a penalty because I think regardless of whether you intend to hit the guy in the head, checking him in the head is illegal. Well, so yeah. I think it was an accident. I think he was trying to jump, like avoid, like get around him with a jump. But the bottom line is, I mean, if you're responsible for a high stick, even if it's an accident, you're responsible for a headshot, too. Um, but all in all, I thought that the refs let the Red Wings get away with uh, a little bit more than they let the Flyers get away with. Um, and it didn't really impact the flow of the game very much. So, like I said, it's after the Florida game where the Red Wings it, like shit the bed so hard that it was one of those, forget this game has even happened because... There's nothing to be learned at this point. You've yeah. you've screwed up so much that literally all you have to do is just you have to focus on getting back to playing within your system and don't worry about, well, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, because you, they did so much wrong in the Florida game. Um, I do think they improved on that in, in the Philly game last night, but it was just a bunch of bad decisions that bit them at the – the way worse time as uh, Erickson tried passing up the middle twice uh, that led to turnovers that led one led directly to a goal and another to a really good scoring chance that 
I mean, another time might have worked better, but it just shit didn't work, and they just could not get out of their own way after such a strong start to the game. Yeah, and it's so funny because you feel like every goddamn game at Wells Fargo is a game you want to forget, and I don't (laughs) understand it. I know at this point it's just, it's like, it's, you know, you know, not many people believe in curses, but like it's getting ridiculous at this point. I mean, you obviously had the chance to win this game and oh my God, the Indians tied the game. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yep. Three run homer. Oh, Holy shit. Has anybody checked you know on Graham? That's great. Okay? Cause Ar- Aroldis Chapman deserves this. So, um, anyways, I'm sorry to, to stray from the path. Um, but yeah, it's just like it, it's like a hex. It truly is. Like I don't, I don't understand. It's 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 really upsetting. Um, Peter, what about you, man? Uh, let's see. I mean, you guys pretty much covered a lot of it. Um, I mean, I think n- not that the not, not that there was anything in the overall game that was positive. I mean, I think in when we were playing well, like it seemed like. Lark, surprise, surprise, Larkin and, and Athanasio were the most notable players, you know, noticeable players. You know, they were really, um, you know, creating chances, um, kind of, you know, with their speed creating chances, but then like, you know, opening it up for other players. Um, you know, Tatar had a, a really nice shot um, where, you know, he he came in and just like took it right away. Um, you know, I know we've been talking about, you know, obviously his shooting percentage is ridiculously low. Um, you know, he had a couple chances in this game where he did the right thing, but he just didn't score. Um, on the frustrating side, I mean, you guys pretty much covered most of it. Uh, the the thing I that, that I, I couldn't stand, I think it was, was the third period when we had the penalty kill. Um, we just let him set up. And then we just let him take shot after shot. There was no pressure. There was no attempt to, you know, they were in our zone for 45 seconds, just continually setting up shots. And we're just sitting back, just letting them rip. Um, I don't know. It just seemed, it just seemed strange. We weren't getting any pressure. And then, you know, we got the puck cleared and uh, noted speedster and superstar Steve Ott had the puck and that didn't work out so well. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, I think that it. I don't know what you got. Winnipeg on Friday. Um, Winnipeg oh, is an exact. Oh, ex- yeah, not exactly a good team. Um, but I don't think the Red Wings are going to win. Um, and, and then I don't think they're going to beat Edmonton either, because I think Connor McDavid is going to torch everything around him. Um, and but that's just probably me just being extremely negative right now. So forgive me mm. if if you are the if you're the positive type listening to this. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, something's got to change. Um, the OMG line, it's got to stop. Uh, I honestly, at at one point tonight, I was like, you know what? I think I'm okay with pulling Marchenko and putting Sproul in instead and uh, giving Olette Mar- and uh, Marchenko, a, or I'm sorry, Olette and Sproul a role here. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm I'm ready for some sort of some sort of change. I don't know if it would be the right sort of change, but uh, I'm definitely ready for it. Um, yeah, uh, but like JJ said, it's one of those games you just want to forget and hope it never happens again. And you just torch it with, with fire. Uh, In in fairness, to clarify the Florida game was that game. Uh, I think that Mm. they should, uh, really take a lesson. I don't, I don't think they should forget this one. Mm. They should, uh, they should bag skate everybody, including Blashill. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying as a fan, you want to forget it. 
I should I should, oh, I yeah. should be, I should be more clear. I don't ever want to remember this game again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, as a team, yeah, they should go out to. They should not skip. They should not have another optional skate ever again. They should, like JJ said, bag skate everybody. Ken Holland should also bag skate as well. Um, <laughs> they should bag skate. They should bag skate the goalies too. Like with with no equipment on, just like just bag skate as fast as you can. I don't want to hear it. Um, but anyways, I mean, that pretty much. There's not much else to say about the game. I mean, it sucked. It was. I, we could go down in more in depth, but why i mean it you know you're gonna you're gonna you can shine a turd try and polish a turd but it's still just gonna be a turd so um and i guess that just kind of goes hand in hand with what we've seen as late uh as of late um which was the first topic um it just seems like the team is coming down to earth hardcore which is what we all have been expecting because that's what the stats tell us is about to happen so um the good news is that even if they do crash, they should even out a little bit. But I think it does need to be said that, um, you know, and, and Prashanth covered it a little bit here today, or not today, but this week. Um, Danny DeKaiser is in way over his head. Um, I mean, it's like he looks like Jonathan Erickson 2.0 out there. Um, it's brutal to watch, really. So. I don't know. I, I I mean, do we have any? What can we do oh, to fix that? Obviously, because I mean, obviously, how do you fix that? Because who do you put in that role? Because anybody you put in that role is going to be a uh, a risk at this point. I mean, you could put Smith there, but again, I mean, Smith hasn't looked that great this year uh, or so far this season. So uh, the Red Wings are really up shit creek without a paddle right now. Um, and just by your observations, I mean, uh, you know, Peter, I'll let you take the lead on this one. What What do you think from what you've seen? Um, well, I, I checked after the game because I think before the game, DeKaiser was at, what, 30, 39% or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I checked today. I was bored, uh, bored at work, and uh, I figured out that the our you know, up you know, up until today, the defensive average, you know, average for defenseman uh, was forty six point oh four, right? So he's you know seven points below. So the good news is he he was a forty three tonight, so he's above his his average. Thank the bad God. news is he's still three points below the team average, and he's still not doing well there. Um, I I I think I think you know. The 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 problem is that this really underscores, you know, why we've been saying for so long that, you know, the team probably the team's number one need is like a true top pairing defenseman because right. when you don't have that, I mean, somebody has to play there, you know, mm-hmm. and it kind of seems like, you know, if we, I mean, obviously up until. I don't know what today or pretty recently, you know, Erickson's been doing well in the role he's been playing, but yeah. I mean, it, it's not like, Oh, well now you bump him up to the top pair. Like that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, don't, <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, who is it was saying, you know, Smith and green, you know, maybe give that a try. Maybe, you know, if they're, you know, uh, you know, pushing the puck up ice that keeps it in our zone less. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think that there's a danger that, you know, they mm-hmm. can get destroyed too. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know what the answer is. To be, fair, to be fair, I thought Smith looked actually pretty good tonight, um, and that's just by my. I haven't really looked at the uh, the underlying stats. Um, so, anyways, um, he was he was our highest tonight. He was fifty two. Oh, is he okay? 
Yeah, he was the highest so one. My, my eyes did not deceive me. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, you gotta you got to try and change something here. And uh, I, I honestly think that you should also take Marchenko out. Just I, I'm not that he's, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like he hasn't looked like what I wanted him to be. I want him, like, I know he's not going to be an offensive defenseman by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I you know, I just haven't seen what I want to see out of him. And uh, I feel like Sproul could be that, but. Um, I mean, it seems like a lot of the times when I see a, Opposing player in on goal alone, either, you know, you know, kind of just got away from his man on a rebound or or anything like that. Uh, too often, Marchenko is the one trying to play catch up. You know, I mean, he mm-hmm. seems to lose his man a lot. Yeah. And uh, you know what? It is what it is. Uh, it's not like you're losing you're losing out big by by pulling him or anything like that for a game or two. Just I just want to see what else we have there. So um, and then. I mean, and then again, uh, I don't think this game was on Morazic by any way, shape, or form. He did have a really ugly rebound um, on that. I think it was the, was it the second goal? Yeah. Yeah, it was the second goal. That was a pretty rough rebound. I mean, it's hard to control those sometimes, but Morazic is highly touted enough to where he should be able to control those. Um, So I honestly think that you might, I don't know. I, I appreciate Blashell actually sticking to his guns and keeping keeping Mrazek as his number one. But I don't know. I mean, if they want to go win now and you see him start going to Howard, I'll bet you any money that's coming straight from Ken Holland. So, um, but to be honest, it doesn't matter who's in net. They don't have Carey Price. If they keep playing like this, they're not going to have a winning or a winning uh, uh, a winning record. Uh, let alone a 500 record. And um, with the way this this weird division is, it doesn't seem like they'll be able to slide into a, a wild card spot. But that's so far down the road. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, JJ, any notes on like what they can do to adjust <laughs> and maybe try and right this ship? I mean, at this point, it doesn't seem like there's much. But you know, whether it's defensively um or offensively obviously the easy answer is uh on friday when winnipeg comes to the town you flip for jacob truba and you just keep <laughs> and you say well he can just stay here but um that's probably not going to happen uh yeah short of making an actual move to bring in a number one defense i think blast hill is uh trying to do what's best as far as usage in this game happened uh it was it was kind of weird because you, you, they kind of went back to the not having really one a, a top pair and a second pair, but evening out the ice time a lot. Like uh, Mike Green and Jonathan Erickson were actually the two defensemen who played the most uh, five on five time in this game. Uh, Green by like two full minutes over mm-hmm. everybody else, so he was like definitely the top defenseman yeah. for this game, and they tried to get. Uh, DeKaiser a little bit of a break. Um, so it was Green, Erickson, DeKaiser, Marchenko, like all kind of bunched together. Um, Marchenko lowest with 17 minutes, uh, Green highest with one, with 21 and a half. And then both Erickson and DeKaiser were only like 30 seconds apart at 19 minutes. And then you get down to Roulette and Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither played 15 minutes. Now, obviously, Smith missed some shifts with uh, with the head check, but 
I think that they are trying to get the Kaiser's head back above water. It's just uh, it's just not working, and I think they're going to have to try to be a little bit more drastic in terms of. And honestly, that wasn't all that impressive either. Like he wasn't no, bad, not at all. But like I, I think you may have to consider going back to the uh, Smith Green as your top pairing and just ride the way understand that they're going to make some mistakes but in general they move the puck up really well because what it feels like other teams are doing is they are really keying in on the guys who are not as good at skating back um danny de kaiser seems to get targeted for those and alexi mm-hmm. marchenko seems to get targeted for those uh yeah. they're basically are our two weaker skaters uh the mm-hmm. gets gets credit for being a, a smooth skater mm-hmm. but he's not really fast so i i remember there was a play where the kaiser was chasing back and he had probably a, a full uh two length lead on the guy and yeah he ended up like letting him take him to the corner and he lost the puck out of that so they've either got to get way more aggressive or more passive and I know that I know that Prashanth would, would disagree with me because he's talked about yeah, wanting the team to go back to um, more low event because it'll help uh, kind of mask some of our defensive defensive deficiencies uh, but honestly I would rather just push forward with it um, keep the more aggressive defense like uh, Marchenko did a really wild pinch in this game that I thought was uh, flat out reckless. But at the point where he's not a good skater, I'd kind of rather like just go for broke because you're not winning a race from the blue line. <laughs> <laughs> so you might as well like you might as well basically become our Radko Gudis and just go for like weird, stupid hits that take you out of position and just hope you hit on 90% of those and hope that people don't get too mad when you miss on the, the other. Right. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, like literally without moving for a, a, a top pair defenseman, we're going to continue to have this problem. Yeah. Now, I agree with you. I would, uh, I'd be okay with sitting Marchenko for a game, uh, provided that Smith uh, isn't struggling with cobwebs after that hit. Mm. Uh Honestly, if he's ready to go on Friday, then then yeah, I would I would sit Marchenko. Just give him a a day off to to watch from upstairs and and kind of and kind of learn, or back, just go yeah. fucking nuts and scratch Steve Ott and play with seven defensemen. <laughs> just really throw a change up on everything. Yeah, I'm I with mean, you on Cooper's that. Done that. Cooper and Blaschel are our best buds, and Cooper loves to play uh, eleven forwards and and seven D sometimes. So just fucking do that and that way you can really just shelter everybody i mean at this point i'm not i'm not uh opposed to really anything i'm the (laughs) only thing i'm really opposed to is keeping it the same so um and i think after the last three games they really can't keep things the same someone something has to give which leads to believe that they're probably gonna (laughs) scratch athanasiu or something stupid who knows oh my Um, god I mean, not that that <laughs> scratch out the super sprawl or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, so that that leads me to because uh, obviously the next uh, topic was roster, and we've actually kind of been um, we've been covering that a little bit already so far. So um, my biggest question is, 
is Cronwell going to go on LTIR? Like, because that should... Because as it stands right now, the team doesn't even have enough room to call up a guy on an entry-level contract or even less than that. Um, and that's kind of a problem because they don't have much flexibility now. Uh, and they're... Because, what, they, they're... Uh, they don't have any forward scratch right now, do they? I forgive me, I can't remember. No, no. So mm-hmm. they are literally running. Um, they are literally running. Oh, sorry, the dog kicked <laughs> 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 my ears. <laughs> He's pissed, uh, just like me. But um, they are literally running twelve forwards right now, and it's just it seems kind of not ideal because you know ideally you would be able to take somebody out and put someone in to get some rest out, but they can't do that right now. So you got to think that Cronwell goes on LTIR at some point here in the next, it has to happen this week. And then you see a guy get a call up. Uh, I don't care. Take a, take your damn pick at this point. I'd be fine with Bertuzzi. I'd be great with Mantha. Hell I'd even take for, um, it just, I want to see something else. Um, so I don't know. Do you what, what JJ? Let's pass it off to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's going to happen uh, anytime soon, or do you think they're just going to ride it out and hope that he just gets uh, healthy, and then uh, when they think he's healthy, they put him out there, and it's just a disaster. At this point, I'm starting to wonder if the reason for not putting Cronwall on LTIR is uh, salary cap magic, uh, because mm-hmm. they're still carrying like. 575k or so of basically extra space because they were able to uh, kind of max out their long-term injured reserve space already when they called up uh, Pascal mm. and then they sent him back down and they still kind of have that so I'm wondering if putting Cronwan on LTIR would kind of screw with that or if they're kind of waiting to to see whether or not, because if they do that and then like call a guy up, what they might end up doing is they might end up shooting themselves in the foot with how much space they're allowed to use, uh, right. since they're already using space over the cap. So I think they may be holding off on it in the hopes that they can still swing a deal for Truba and mm-hmm. use Cronwall's LTIR space uh, for way more. And I, I'm I'm not sure, and I'm I'll do some research on it, but I, I'm pretty sure that what's what's going on is that they don't want to use that right now because if you don't use it all at once you basically can't go back to use it again um because as they stand right now cronwall has already because when he got put on ltir it was uh, backdated to prior to the season the ltir uh, requirement is that he's got to miss uh 10 games and 24 calendar days uh they've already hit that they they hit that uh you know the just the other night. So Cronwall is eligible for LTIR. He could go on today and come off tomorrow as far as, as the cap magic is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but they may end up having to do something crazier, like put one of those extra defensemen on waivers just in order to call up somebody because of a, if a forward ends up getting shaken up and can't go, they're either going to play 11 forwards and 7D or they're just going to play a man short on their roster, which would be insane. I, I just can't see it happening. So that's that's kind of uh, where I stand with it. I think that Cronwall well, makes sense to do, but I, I don't know 
mm-hmm. what's going on behind the scenes of the the nitty gritty yeah. cap world. Well, I certainly hope that you don't hurt yourself stretching there, JJ. <laughs> and I do love you, but I if that happened, if they were if they were somehow holding out Cronwall's LTIR for a Truba deal, I would drive up to the Joe Louis Arena and I would kiss Ken Holland on his stupid little cheeky face. Um <laughs> But I just I don't know I don't think it's gonna happen. But can you imagine them burning that space and then not having it, and then all of a sudden Shevel Dayoff goes, "Hey, you know what? I guess we will take Brendan Smith and and uh, Tyler Bertuzzi for Jacob Truba." Okay. So they basically take. <laughs> we'll take we'll take Jimmy Howard for Jacob Truba straight up. Sure, let's do that. And then like, ah, oh, well, fuck. Now we can't afford that. <laughs> I would I would put the whole kibosh on this season then. <laughs> like I just like it's over. Let's just like honestly, let's just pack it in. Um, but anyways, um, what about uh, Thomas Vanek? That's so. Ever since he's been gone, the team looks like shit. Is that just coincidence? <laughs> you guys think? But because he seemed to be like this weird catalyst uh, before he went down with this mysterious what seems to be or what we've been told uh, by one beat writer and not the rest of the beat writers for whatever reason. Uh, is a hip flexor, and he is now week to week. So we will hear more about his injury, what I assume will be t- uh, next week, obviously. Um, I mean, obviously it's a big loss because he was, uh, when he left, he was the leading scorer, I believe, and uh, or one of them. Um, so that obviously hurts. Uh, I mean, what has he brought to this team that uh, that has hurt the team so bad? Uh yeah, I guess Peter, I'll let you take the uh, take that one first since we let JJ take the last one. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I I think for for uh, for one thing, um, you know, he brought a lot to to the power play. Um, you know, he's you know he's able to um, you know be the guy who's behind the net setting it up. You know, uh, there was that play where, you know, he's behind the net. He gives it to Green. Green had the 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 pass to uh, oh god, who scored that goal? Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember. What goal? What goal? It, it, was, it was it was a power play goal. Uh, Vanek's behind the net. He's kind of behind the net. He passes it over to Green on the side. Green uh, puts a saucer pass right on. Uh, is it Nyquist? I think it was Nyquist. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, so he can he can play there. He can play kind of on the side. He can play um, kind of net front. You know, uh, for deflections. Um, you know, kind of get those rebound goals on the power play. You know, so he seemed like he was a you know a really big boost to our power play. Um, and then also, I mean, you know, a lot of us were surprised. That, you know, he wasn't, you know, pretty much everybody thought, you know, he comes in, he's going to be okay, great. He's going to help on the power play. You know, people were expecting that. But, um, you know, I mean, he was playing a full game. You know, he was, uh, you know, he was hustling back back on defense. You know, he was playing, you know, a solid two way game. Um, And I mean, I think, you know, anytime you lose a player who's who's doing that, that's, you know, that's going to be a big loss. Um, I mean, it could, you know, some of it could just be coincidence. Um, you know, but I think, you know, he does, you know, losing him is, you know, it was a pretty big blow, uh, cause I think he was a, a big part of why we were doing well. Yeah. Imagine if Riley Shan had a uh, finish or if Justin Ablicator had, uh, a high, high, a high hockey IQ, uh, that's what Thomas Vanek has been for the Red Wings so far. Yeah. The big guy who knows mm-hmm. what the hell he's doing. 
Yeah, um, it seems like he's just been the the, the straw that uh, stirs the drink, and uh, we definitely miss him. So I hope that he is okay, and this doesn't turn out to be something that's going to last for uh, three or four weeks. But hey, judging by how everything is going right now, who knows what will happen, and it probably will. Um, Good news is we don't have to worry about a buyout next year. Thank (laughs) God. And that's why you should sign everybody to one year and not six years or five years or four years or whatever it is. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, uh, looking at the roster as a whole, uh, we re-added Martin Furk. Uh, Great. Yay. We're not going to spend any time on that because who really honestly cares? I hope he does really well in the AHL where he is probably going to spend most of this year, uh, if not all of this year. Um, Mantha. We have to cover Mantha because Mantha is lighting up the AHL right now. And it's just, you know, it seems like a broken record at this point. But at what point do you think the development that he's getting in the AHL outweighs the minimal minutes that he's getting in the NHL, um, which would ultimately be uh, probably fourth line minutes? Because you would think that he would be the guy to replace Vanek on that third line with Nyquist and uh, Helm. You'd think, like, that's perfect. That's Mantha right there. You stick him right there and uh, done deal. Um, perfect hmm. spot for him with power play time uh, and, and and all that good stuff. I mean, wh- I mean, at what point do we see that, assuming that a what J.J. had proposed earlier uh, will not happen? Uh, JJ, you're uh, you're you're the you're the you're the good boy now. <laughs> um, I don't know that Mantha is going to get called up before January, honestly. Um, unless he like seriously tears it up and like, because we're now he's got what seven goals in eight games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, he's dropped below the goal per game pace in the NHL, <laughs> so that's. That's below AHL superstar level. Which <laughs> yeah. to, uh, he's he's subdominant right now. Um, yeah. If it if it's uh, Kenny waiting for the other shoe to drop, cap wise, then what the shit ever. I don't know. Um, the whole concept of like, well, where is he going to play? Like, I don't know. I've got uh, sixteen thirty one of even strength ice time for. Justin Ablocator uh, looking like a badger trying to hump a doorknob. <laughs> I got 11:21 O'Reilly Shea and uh, yeah. lost lost out in the the lower 40. Yeah, and just stick around. Just just to <laughs> interrupt you, so I can real quick. He <laughs> looks like shit lately, and that's that's it. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. Um, like I said, with exactly like you said on the Vanek thing, it's like the big guy who knows what the hell he's doing. Uh, the Ruins are, are seriously lacking that right now. They've got two potential big guys in Adlocator and Shan that just aren't doing their jobs. Um, they're not forcing the play to the middle. They're not taking the body to create chaos. Uh, they're not particularly good at back checking. Like they're they're decent on the walls in the neutral zone. Like, Applicator did make a really good play and, and clowning Gudis to to clear it up so that Tatar could feed Zetterberg for what should have been the game-winning goal. Um, but outside of that one play, like, he was basically invisible. Like, he, he just hasn't 
had the good sense, and the defense hasn't been finding him. So uh, I think that I, I would have called Manta up by now already. So I'm I'm terribly biased on this, but mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I just I don't think that it's gonna. <laughs> I don't think that it's gonna happen quite as as soon as it ought to be. I mean, we saw this with with Gustav Nyquist, and Gustav Nyquist is still a better hockey player than, than Anthony Mantha, so if they could yeah. hold that guy down, they could hold anybody down. I mean, do we agree mm-hmm. that Nyquist has been the best player for the team? I mean, I think he's been the best. Um, I can't I can't really argue against that. I think Outside of goaltending, yeah. Yeah, outside of goaltending, he has been the best. Um, he has been so excellent in not only in offensive sense, um, whether he's scoring or not, uh, but in a defensive sense and and in the neutral zone, I think that, uh, yeah, um, it's going to be, I'm really glad that they signed him to the contract that they did um, Mm. because if he was in Tatar's situation right now, uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of Tatar, um. Yeah, uh, when's when's it gonna happen? Because you know, if it seems like we we and I'm kind of jumping around here, so I I, I apologize for that. Mm. But um, that's an, that's honestly a, that's kind of been a concern for me because it's one of those things where he is doing such great things in the offensive zone. But I mean, you saw him set up that Zetterberg goal, which was beautiful tonight. Mm. Um, probably probably one of my favorite parts of the game, uh, just because of the emotion that came with it. Because you took the lead again, but. Um, they later crushed everything that I hoped and believed in. Um, you, hmm. I mean, when is it going to happen? Because you feel like the guy should be scoring goals left and right at this point. I mean, he's, you know, he's still doing the Tatar thing where he's getting cute and he's dangling around and he loses the puck, but that's just what Tatar is. Um, you know, I don't think that's ever going to really change that much. When is that shooting percentage going to catch up with him? Um, and, you know what's it? What what does the team have to do to put him in that situation? I mean, or is it just something that you know? It's just the the checks and balances. Uh, you know, that you gotta roll with the punches until until something until something works. Um, I mean, I, I I honestly don't know. I don't have an answer for it. And Peter, I'll let you take yeah. the lead. I mean, it, it, it's almost like earlier in the season. Um, it's not exactly the same because I think this is a little more severe. But like earlier in the season, you know, Larkin kind of had a similar issue where he was doing all the right things, and you know, he, he you know, I think Larkin was getting more chances. You know, he mm-hmm. was doing all the right things. He was doing, you know, pretty much what he was doing last year when he was scoring a lot, um, and it just it just wasn't common. Um, you know, I mean, you know, like I said before, you know, you were talking about, you know, sometimes Sitar, you know, he takes an extra second, tries to, you know, make an extra move, you know, but he had he had that play tonight where, you know, the puck comes loose and he comes in and just rips it like he didn't do that. And it was a, it was a good shot and he just not going in. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's not really a good explanation, but it kind of seems like one of those things where he's doing the right things. It's just not working. And at some point it's going to change. I mean, I don't know. I know that's not a great explanation, but it, I think that's all I got. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's really hard to explain and really hard to, yeah. to pin, narrow a pinpoint. And uh, I'm sure JJ might have a similar explanation. And if, if you have anything else, JJ, I would love to hear it. Uh, on the uh, fancy score sheet, Tatar put six shot attempts on net, uh, only matched by Dylan Larkin in this uh, Philly, Philly game. Uh, two of those were on net, three of them were blocked, and, and one of them was missed, whereas Larkin got five of them on net. So 
Uh, and Zetterberg got four shots on goal, too. Uh, I, I want Tatar to keep playing every game like he played against Philly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not worried about his shooting percentage staying at, at 3% forever. At this point, the only player that I'm really worried uh, truly does suck at shooting on the good opportunities he gets is uh, Marchenko. So yeah. just... Uh, Smith is not very good at it either. That's true, yeah. Uh, he gets distracted by shiny colors. <laughs> like the ice. <laughs> yeah. Or the terrible uh, the terrible numbers on the Flyers jerseys. Oh, God. So oh. ugly. At, at any rate, Tatar's doing fine. I think a lot of the the worry about him is is overblown. He's The whole team is shooting at a weirdly low percent with him on the ice. He's shooting at a weirdly low percent. Um he did. He had been doing a little bit more of the unnecessarily di- unnecessary dipsy doodling. Um, I don't think that he's done that in the last couple of games. I think he's done a really good job of uh, playing the body more often than uh, a lot of others. Of forcing the play to the inside, of taking shots. Uh, he had that one really, really nice uh, um, toe drag around the outside that he almost short sighted it uh, a lot, like what. To, what Nielsen did against the Blues. So it, he's just got to keep playing like that, and the goals will come, and they'll come in bunches, and then we'll talk about how that shit's un- unsustainable too. Right. And, and hopefully he just levels out to where we don't have to go feast or famine for 10-game for stretches. Yeah, no, and uh, I'm sure that we'll sooner or later see another column from another beat writer uh, questioning Thomas Tatar and his inability to score goals and we'll ignore all the other players on this team who can't score goals right now. Um, I mean, I mean, if you look at Henrik Zetterberg, I mean, he scored his first goal of the season tonight. I mean, come on, dude, give me a break. But anyways, uh, Henrik Zetterberg isn't a shooter at this point in his career and everybody should understand that he is not a shooter. He is Joe Thornton at this point, uh, except he's not as good as Joe Thornton is at passing. Um, so, anyways, we've talked <laughs> enough about the uh, the roster. Uh, we don't really need to talk about the goaltending at this point. It is what it is. Um, I guess looking at trending topics around the league, um, I guess it's the year of the rookie at this point. Um, and really, I mean, it, it, we don't have to spend too much time on this. Uh, you know, you look around, and the, the teams with the top rookies are really seem to be doing well. I mean, you got the Maple Leafs; they have. Uh, you know, Matthews and they have uh, uh, Nylander as well, Marner as well. Yeah. Um, and I think Nylander is probably the clear cut to probably win the Calder. Um, that's probably an unpopular uh, choice, but I think Nylander is going to win it because I think Nylander is probably better than Marner. And I think he's probably better than Matthews. Uh, the kid is insane. Um, and then, you you know, you got we saw one tonight in Travis Konechny, uh, another guy who I think is really, really good. Um Guy, the Red Wings. Uh, Provorov yeah. is also very good, but Provorov has a lot of learning to do as a defenseman, and you yeah. saw it a lot tonight. Um, but yeah, no, Provorov is going to be good, but he's not going to be a, a candidate to win the uh, uh, the the, uh, the Calder. Um, another one is Zach Wierenski, who could very well single-handedly pull the Columbus Blue Jackets out of the rut because he is so damn good. Um, so yeah, there's a lot like, you know, we saw it last year and we're seeing it again this year, um, all of this really good young talent in the NHL and you take a look at the Red Wings and it's like, well, who is our next Dylan Larkin? I mean, is it going to be Yanni Bechnikov? Is it going to be Anthony Manta? Is it going to be, 
um, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi or Joe Hicketts. Uh, you know, I, and we don't have the elite prospects that everybody thinks we are that a lot of us think we have. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I guess it, looking around the league, if it is the year of the rookie, um, what does that say? I mean, did, does that mean the Red Wings? Obviously, we feel like we should go younger, but, you know, is it plausible with the players that we have in the minor leagues? Uh, JJ, it's your turn yeah. <laughs> to take a look around the league. Um, well, I mean, as far as, like, our next Dylan Larkin is, uh, honestly, we don't have one. Uh, right. Svechnikov is a few months younger than Larkin, and yep. he, he hasn't made the big club yet. So, no. I don't know. Uh, I've... I've honestly not been watching as many hockey games as early this season as I have been in years past for various uh, stupid reasons. But I, Connor McDavid is super duper fun to watch. Oh, um, yeah. Like I've I've almost lost interest with the Western Conference entirely, which is oh for sure. It's, it's probably bad, but uh, outside of of McDavid. Um, you know, basically, nobody has, has, like, really stood out as far as, like, the teams that are, are super-duper scary right now. Like, you know, the, the teams on top, like Montreal, is is scary because of Carey Price. Um, right. They they beat Vancouver uh, tonight or, or last night uh, and got badly outplayed. So... By Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nashville is, has struggled to find their their rhythm um pittsburgh got crosby back and they got a lot better there but <laughs> uh yeah san jose is still pretty decent um honestly arizona has been kind of fun to watch but i know that that red wings fans are <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of a it's yeah, a little bit of a touchy subject out yeah. in arizona um, not for me but for a lot of people yeah yeah so i don't know the, the I'm I'm just so mad at the refs all the time that <laughs> I've got other shit to do too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, you could probably tell tell that by uh, the wing unit Motown feed that we don't really like the officiating, and I don't know many people who do because it's actually really bad. Um, Peter, I know that yeah. you uh, tend to watch around the league, and you know, um, you being the former Islanders fan that you are, or still Islanders fan, whichever it is. Um, I mean, there's not much to watch there. So no, you know what? I look at the mm-hmm. Islanders and I, I think to myself, oh, God, I'm glad I'm a Red Wings fan. And <laughs> it shouldn't because they have guys like Tavares and they have, uh, you know, Nick Letty and, um, Hamannick, uh, uh I guess, yeah, Hamannick's okay. Okay. I don't know. I guess that's it. But John Tavares, probably one of the better players in the one of the best players in the NHL. You know, you. I just look around, and that's kind of how I've kept my composure this season. Is just kind of watching other teams and be like, yeah, at least at least I'm not there. But yeah, which is a shitty boat to be in, by the way. You know what? What are you seeing around the league that is interested to you? I know that the McDavid thing interests all of us because uh, Connor McDavid is literally, and I mean literally, single-handedly making the Oilers relevant this year. Um, and it's not even close. 
Right. Uh, I guess Cam Talbot a little bit, but I mean that's not going to last. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, with the Islanders, you know, I, mean, I, I still follow them. I mean, not anywhere close to as much as I follow Detroit, uh, you know, like, you know, my brother, my dad or, you know, they're still Islander fans. So, you know, I, you know, I hear and I'll, every now and then I'll get to see a game. But, you know, I don't really follow them too closely, but um, I'm not surprised at all that they're not doing well. Um, I mean, losing, you know, losing a Poso. Um, I think I said before, you know, I thought losing Nielsen is was, was probably a bigger blow to them just because he was number one. I mean, he was just, you know, he, you know, he was a guy who, you know, he was not really, you know, he was like an unsung hero, but he did so much for that team. Um, and also, I mean, like, uh, they lost and obviously I know the contract was ridiculous and I'm really glad that we didn't sign him. Um, you know, but Matt Martin, like the fans yeah. love Matt Martin. I mean, he was such a fan favorite and Nielsen too, you know, and to lose both those guys in the same year, I think was a huge blow, you know, so you got, you got Tavares playing with Ladd and Camara or is it Chimera Camara? I never know. Camara. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean like, <laughs> I think that, I that's, that's insane. Um, I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, and now, I mean, they have a lot of problems. They have, uh, you know, Halak wants out. Um, you know, they've tried to keep three goalies because they have this guy, Barubi. Um, and they, you know, they feel uh, that if they put him on waivers, you know, to send him to the minors, that somebody's going to claim him. They're probably right. Uh, in fact, they're almost definitely right. Um, but, I mean, they've they've really put themselves in a bad position. Um so I'm not surprised at all to see, uh, you know, to, to see them not doing well. I think, um, you know, Nashville's Nashville's struggling, obviously. Um, I was. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. I, was I, I mean, I understand because the goaltending is trash, uh, but everything else I don't get. I mean, I was shocked when we beat them. Uh, I thought we, there was no way we were winning that game. Um, but I mean, I think they'll be fine. I, I think they'll be okay. I think they're, you know, I mean, right now they're three, five and one, you know, they got seven points. They're not that far back. I think they're, I think they're going to be okay. Um, uh, you know, we got two games coming up the rest of the week. We got uh, Winnipeg on Friday. Um, Patrick line is really fun to watch. Um, I mean, you know, you were talking before with the Calder. I mean, I think this is probably going to be the most competitive Calder race in some time. Cause you know, you have the players you said before. Plus, I think Line is going to be right in that mix. Um, you know, so, you know, he's fun to watch. Uh, but then, you know, on Sunday we're playing Edmonton and I'm writing the recap and I'm I'm just going to copy and paste. You know, McDavid beats us again. McDavid breakaway. You know, I mean, because I mean, if you see what he can do to good defense, I like, oh, my God, if, if he. Yeah. Oh, my God. If he ends up against our fourth line. He's going to have 20 goals. Um, <laughs> I mean, like he does things with the puck that are just ridiculous. Um, you know, he's coming down the side. You think he's going behind the net. All of a sudden, somehow the puck like has teleported into the slot and Lucic taps it in. Or, you know, I mean, it's just it's just insane um, to watch him play. So I'm looking forward to see him play. But at the same time, I'm kind of pretty worried about how many points he's going to put up against us. Now, of course that means we're going to win, you know, we're going to win that game. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, Edmonton is just fun to watch. And and the thing, the thing that's scary about Edmonton is that, you know, they have, you know, the, the line that, you know, we had the article the other day that Dom wrote, you know, in which we had the worst line and, you know, Edmonton had the best line, um, you know, so, you know, when they're playing together, you got, you know, McDavid, you got uh, Eberle and you got Lucic. 
But then the other day when they were playing Toronto, um, they had uh, Babcock was putting out the Kadri line against them, and he, they were doing a pretty good job of keeping McDavid in check. So all of a sudden now McDavid is not playing with them; he's playing with Puliyarvi and some other guy, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Like you could put you could put McDavid out there with Ott and Miller, and they're gonna be a good line because he's that good. You know he can. You know, he can just he, he can make anybody better. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch. I'm scared. I disagree. I don't think it's going to be fun at all. Um, anyways, <laughs> guys, uh, it, us, yeah. it wouldn't be a 2016 uh, uh, whim radio episode if we didn't do the positivity corner. Um, so we're going to do something positive, as always. Uh, I'm going to say something positive about the Red Wings, and I'm going to say something positive about something else. And <laughs> I'm going to pass it around. We're uh, It's basically uh, like uh, we're sitting at dinner, um, Thanksgiving dinner, and you have to say something nice about someone, um, even though you hate the rest of your family. Um, so for the rest of you guys, I'm going to say I'm just really happy that I get to work with you guys every day. I think you guys are wonderful. Um, that's easy. That's easy. That's the easy part for the Red Wings. Um, I am just so glad that eventually the world will end. (laughs) JJ, you're next. Wow. I do appreciate that. I have good friends with whom to watch and share the hockey adventure in. Um, even when it's bad, it's, it's good. (laughs) <laughs> and about the Red Wings, uh, the most positive thing I can say is that I am positive uh, 80 minutes after that game is over that I am still mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a good one. I should have said that. Damn it. Because my one. <sighs> All right, Peter, you're up. All right. So um, let's see. I would say my Red Wing one is that. I'm happy that since the last time I did the podcast, I've gotten to see Athens CU play more than I thought I would. Um, and I'm glad to see him doing pretty well. You know, he's uh, he seems to be making a positive difference most of the time he's on the ice. Uh, so I'm happy about that. Um, and then on the other side, uh, you know, recently I had a, kind of a family medical emergency that mm-hmm. sucked and um it was nice that i had you know you guys uh were incredibly supportive um and helped out a lot with with all that stuff so that was you know it was really nice to to have people to talk to when you're kind of stressed and worried and everything you know the world's ending and you know luckily it didn't but uh you know it was it was a pretty tough time it was uh, you know I, I definitely appreciated you guys well we appreciate you and we're always here for you um, that will bring us to our next segment, which is, as always, again, uh, reader questions, um, which is something JJ always takes because JJ just loves reading your comments. Um, <laughs> as most of you know, uh, in a good experience or a bad experience, uh, JJ, um, take us home, baby. Let's do this shit. <laughs> Uh, Austin HB asks right off the bat, what happened to the prospect report? And that is a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, we put it on waiver. <laughs> yeah, that was a good answer too. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, just, we haven't been able to, uh, to get together and, and Michelle kind of hasn't had a lot of time 
uh, with what's going on with her. So uh, we'd love to have it back. We're, we're hoping to, to get that accomplished. Uh, I can't make promises. Um, hopefully, if, if worse comes to worse, I will invest in the AHL streaming service and I'll start doing it. But yeah, again, it, eventually, hopefully. Uh, Hallar2121 on the around the league. Can you discuss which teams are playing well, perhaps flying under the radar nationally? And our teams that are playing well, but maybe not getting favorable results in the, the win loss column. We kind of yeah. did this already. National yeah. not doing so well. Uh, Los Angeles is is outplaying their, their record too. Yeah. Um, Kyle, I know you did more research. On that. I think uh, yeah. I was Minnesota. Yeah, Sorry. if you look uh, around, uh, the, the teams that really stand out to you are uh, the teams that are outplaying what they are. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the Montreal Canadiens will continue to do that because they have an alien playing in goal for them. <laughs> um, I mean, that, like we said, they got they got destroyed by uh, by the Canucks tonight, and the Canucks are not a good team. Uh, and then another one I think uh, that has been underperforming is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, that team is way better than their record says right now, uh, and the same can be said for the Florida Panthers. So, um, and then another one is the St. Louis Blues. The St. Louis Blues have been underperforming for what they are. They should be way better, and uh, you know it'll it'll it with time it'll come. But uh, I think that the Montreal Canadiens, um, they're going to really rely on Carey Price, and they better hope to God that he does not get hurt. Uh, but they're in a better situation now because I think Al Montoya is way better than uh, the other kid that they had starting for him. Uh, Mike Condon. So those are, those are a few teams and he's now in Ottawa. He is now in Ottawa, which was a great move by Pittsburgh. That was brilliant. <laughs> oh yeah, my God. Fifth rounder. Yeah. Got him, for, got, got him for, yep. Got him for free. Flipped him for a fifth rounder. Mm. That's, that is what asset management is all about right there. <laughs> Mikey, likey hockey. Hey, asks, wait, you can't ask. What? <laughs> Go ahead. I can, he's not here to ask himself, so he's <laughs> there. Uh, this is is Mike, formerly known as Tea and Kicker Death. But everybody's changed their names lately, so. Oh yeah. Not me. I will always be JJ from Kansas. It's my brand. It is too strong. At any rate, everyone's favorite stone-handed center, the Helm Nyquist Vanek line, was playing was paying dividends before Vanek's injury. Was Helm a driving force in that line success, or were his point totals just getting hit, just getting foxy by proxy? That's a uh, great question to ask. Yeah, it is. In this game, it is a very good question, and I think it should go without saying at this point, foxy by proxy. Yeah, I mean, you look, think about it, think about how great Helm looked when he played next to Pavel Datsuk. <laughs> so, I mean, he is literally a. Uh, he doesn't, I don't know. Would you say that he pulls the piano or he plays the piano? So I don't know. Um, I say he's a piano puller at this point, but if you put him alongside players that can play like Vanek and Nyquist, then good things are going to happen. Um, but yeah. yeah, Helm's a good disruptor and mm-hmm. he's been good yeah. at, at getting in and open for passes that, that better players are finding him for. Uh, he's, he's finished a few of them too. That's, that's really neat. It's just like, it's, I mentioned this, uh, the other night about 
Jordan Eberle, Connor McDavid, and Milan Lucic, and you're going to see a lot of like good scoring opportunities by Lucic. And you think, like, why the fuck does that guy get all the scoring opportunities on the line with those two other guys? Right. The answer is obvious, but it's like you just wish it wasn't like that. And we had that for, for a long time with, like, Dotson Zetterberg and Ablocator. Uh, and so now we've got Helm as the guy, like, thank you for helping, but please stop being the guy trying to finish. Effing <laughs> uh, G wants to know, uh, Mickey Redmond, in the broadcast of recent games, Mickey Redmond has made repeated efforts to defend Holland's offseason signings, uh, keeping Mantha in the AHL, the value of Steve Ott, etc., from people out there, quote, unquote. <clears throat> Surely Mickey Redmond doesn't use the internet, so where is he getting this? You don't think uh, he reads this blog, do you? Did the Steve Ott article make, make its way up the pipeline? That's Mickey, obviously what happened. Mickey Redmond is 68 years old. Uh, I think that his hockey knowledge is 68 years old. <laughs> uh you know, it's Mickey Redmond. You don't you he's not there for you to actually take his like serious analysis from. He's there as like a um <laughs> you know, like like think that you take your kids to uh their friend's birthday party and their parents hired some shitty clown, so you just get to sit there and uh drink Miller Light and laugh at the stupid clown and how miserable he is. That's exactly <laughs> what Mickey Redmond is to me. Yeah, right on. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I can top that. Yeah, I don't think that Mickey Redmond is doing the the broadcast equivalent of subtweeting him. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that Steve Ott has did read the Steve Ott tangibly sucks because I'm pretty sure that Steve Ott or somebody in the Steve Ott camp uh, name searches so. <laughs> It is what it is. I don't know like how much is getting up from us to Mickey Redmond, but it's not like we're the only place on the internet that's that's levying these criticisms. Mm. So I'm sure that they have discussions because I I do know that Wim is, is known in the Fox Sports Detroit studio. I don't know if it's known by Mickey Redmond, but obviously uh, Ken and Mick have a lot of games to fill time with and a lot of stuff to talk about. And just like Kyle said, like it's honestly what Mickey Redmond believes. I mean, he uh, it is a little weird that he's like pointing it out against like all oh, the people out there are saying this. But honestly, if you're the guy in front of the camera, you're basically allowed to say that the people out there are saying whatever the hell they want. So you don't know whether or not he's he's speaking specifically or whether he's basically just making it up. Because uh, it wouldn't be the, the first time a, an announcer went with straw men. Uh, except in this case, uh, straw man. At any rate, uh, moving on, Groot Squad wants to know, what are your thoughts on Ferk being claimed back, and where do you th- think he sits on the wing's depth chart as far as call-ups go? I uh, think it's great. I think Mantha, uh, not Mantha, but I think Holland kind of pulled like a low-key, funny little move there. Um, uh, I expect Martin Furk to be on waivers again next season, and we'll never see him again. Mm. Peter, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it's uh, it's a fun story. You know, it's like a kind of like one of those like little quirky stories, um, but. Uh, I mean, I think he's, I think, I, I don't think he's like, 
high enough on the call-up list that unless we get decimated with injuries that we're going to see him, especially if we insist on playing our fourth line. You know? True. Uh, Plus, we've got the issue where uh, Ferk is going to be an RFA after this season anyway. Um, But if you do call him up, then you've got that. You can only play him for nine games or keep him around for for 29 days before you have to send him back down or put him back on waivers. I think getting him back without having to keep him on the the NHL roster was a a pretty shrewd move because it's basically getting back something for nothing that you'd previously lost for nothing and the the lottery ball pick that that something magical is going to happen with Ferk is worth it so cool um you know you may can you may see him for like his first NHL game as a Red Wing this year but I wouldn't count on it I'd probably put him below both Manta and Bertuzzi uh I'd personally put him below Svechnikov at this point uh, it is what it is the I put him below I, I put him below uh Lurito. yeah call him up if he makes the AHL all-star game <laughs> absolutely not that means nothing. <laughs> uh let's see somebody asked and was answered about fantasy hockey I just want to interject uh fuck your fantasy team <laughs> so far south up north as how hilarious is it that the FS Detroit broadcast uses analytics now, uh, at least in the form of the goalie tendencies chart, and Ken Daniels using the word analytics at least three times a game? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He just, like, throws analytics in there at randomly. At first, I was rolling my eyes at that question, mm-hmm. and then the snark at the end really made my night. So um, that's a good question, and uh, my answer is yes. Yeah. Can I just say how bad that goalie tendencies chart is? Uh, so- I hate it. Like it's really, up, I like it. Well, I mean, no, okay, like the well, information's like, interesting, but it's set up in the worst possible way. It's like a softball toss. It's like as soon like they'll show it, and if the goalie gets scored on that, like like in that area, it's like well, going back to when we were talking earlier, it's like all right, we heard you. That's great, but you know, just shut up. They scored a goal. <laughs> it's fine. Who cares? Uh, the other question, the other half of that question is: Can you guys recommend a site for good Red Wings advanced stats? Uh, stats.hockeyanalysis.com, um, Corsica.hockey, hockeystats.ca. Uh, nice time on ice.com is a really good like composium to where you can like get really quick links to uh, almost anything you'd like to see. Um, and if you missed any of those, just rewind it. I'm not repeating any of it. I usually go with Corsica. I do like Corsica. Very user-friendly. Uh, a. Smith 55, who would make a bigger impact when they return from IR, Nicholas Cronwell or Thomas Yurko? Also, how likely is it we ever see Johan Franzen play again? Oh, God. Well, Franzen is a zero, a big, fat I mean, what about alumni yeah. games? Maybe in an alumni game. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe he should play in the alumni game in, on January 1st. Yeah, maybe he should. Um <laughs> As a, as a matter of fact, um, anyways, uh, I think, honest to God, uh, the pessimist in me wants to say that they'll probably be about the same. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Cronwell. I mean, I, I think it depends on if he is, I guess, 100% or close to it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he, he seems to, you know, um, you know, I mean, if we can get. 
you know, uh, a Nicholas Cronwall that's playing at full capacity, then I think that's going to be the bigger one. But I mean, you know, like we were talking before, um, I don't know, like with every day and week that passes and he's still not playing. I mean, I'm starting to think, like, are we even going to see him this season? No, we're not. I I don't think we are. But I I think that if he comes back, then you'll see a bigger. Because honestly, I uh, it's not that I don't like Yurko. I just I don't see it. Um, I'm going to go with the unapologetic dickhead answer and say (laughs) that Nicholas Cronwall makes the bigger impact. uh, And that's a negative impact. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, switching expectations asked about the talk about the Red Wings defense, which we pretty well answered. Baby Larks, a specific play. Uh, can you please explain what's going on with the tactic of dumping or deflecting a puck into the offensive zone from the red line? It seems we outlet a pass from our defensive zone. Someone tips at the red line down ice, and then we battle to gain the puck only to have no scoring opportunity if we get possession. What's the idea behind this dump and chase strategy that seems to lead to no chances? Why this instead of clean zone entries with possession? I don't see many other teams trying to set up like this, at least not against us. Uh, seems like we kind of abandoned one for the other in a bad way. Maybe tonight's game will look different. Okay. So, yeah. uh, outlet passes that Red Wings players are essentially basically just, they're doing the, the tip in dump um, and then trying to go get it back. And then they have to basically end up chasing back. Uh, why are we doing this more often than carrying it clean? And why aren't other teams being forced to do that against us? Um, I think that if you're just now noticing that this is happening, uh, where have you been? Because the Red Wings have done this even under Babcock. Um, it's the, it's the classic, like chip it in and then battle along the boards and be gritty and get it out to your, to your, uh, to your defensemen and, and let them like basically let it set up as you know, like basically set it up as you have the net front guy, you have your slot guys, and then you have your, your, your guys on the blue line. Um, you know, it, it, it works when you have players who, I don't know. It works when you have like a bunch of quick, like fast players who can get into the zone and they can make that shit happen. But Red Wings don't have enough of those guys to actually make that happen. And I think the defensemen, the defensemen that the Red Wings have, they don't have the ability to carry the puck in like a, uh, like an Eric Carlson or a Victor Hedman or something like that. So they dump the puck in uh, because it's the easy play to make and uh, they can get set on the blue line and then worry about when the puck comes back their way. So I don't know. I, I I honestly hate that style of play, uh, but in a, in a sense, I think that if you have players that can skate and battle along the boards, then you should do it. But I don't think the Red Wings do. Yeah, Peter, you got anything to add? Not really. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the the reason that they don't intentionally want to do that necessarily, but they've been doing it more often recently because their breakout strategy has gotten bad. There's been too much separation between the forwards and the defense, forcing the defense to try to make 40-foot passes, and those are harder to do, so you just end up with a lot more dump and chase where they would like to uh, not only get in and create turnovers inside the, the opponent's blue line, but also be able to get back on them with speed to create more turnovers so they can get mm-hmm. transition. They are trying to carry with possession 
every time. The Red Wings do not prefer dump and chase, uh, but they will dump rather than cycle back a lot of the times. And I'm, I, I, I grew up on the Russian five, so I'm always like cycle back, fuck it, carry it in, do whatever <laughs> we have to do, and not yeah. dump it in. Um, but that's kind of the, the game doesn't work like that anymore. So when they're doing it, it's because they're screwing up. Yeah. Always. Uh, in, yeah. Peter's glove wants to see if we want to talk about the, uh, the remorse of the, the trade that let Chikrin get to Arizona. Not really. He, it's, it's still November. Like he, if he pl- keeps playing like this and it's great, then yeah, I'll regret it. But you, you, I'm not going to commit to regretting it right now. Yeah. If he There's turns, indication if he, I might yeah. hate it. If he turns to Victor Hedman, then yeah, I will take my clothes off and I will light myself on fire. Uh, but for now, I have way too many things to worry about yeah. <laughs> in terms of hockey. So, I mean, I, th- um, I think you could kind of compare it to, you know, the, the you know, the Weber Subban trade. Like right now, if you were going to analyze the trade right now, then Montreal clearly won. But, you know, let's check back in a year and two years and three years, you know, and I mean, you know, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, like. You know, Weber is pretty dominant right now. Subban's not doing as well as he as you want him to do. But, you know, Weber's going to deteriorate probably pretty quickly once he starts to. Subban's going to be, you know, where he is for a long time. You know, so it's, you know, I think obviously Chikrin's looking good, but it's been nine games, you know. Maybe he'll continue. Maybe he won't, you know. Yeah. And uh, not to mention he wouldn't have been in this situation with the Red Wings right now. So, yeah, keep asking that. Keep asking that question every week, and at some point I'm going to give you an answer of uh, other than it's too early to tell, uh, but not yet. <laughs> every single week, probably until Dennis Chalowski actually gets into an NHL game, I'll be like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not. Jury's still out. Time's gonna tell, man. All right, so check back in 2022. Yeah, pretty much. After he has gotten his degree in mechanical engineering or whatever it is he's going for. Crush Crew still may end up being better than ET. Who knows? Uh, Timmy Timmons, if someone handed you a phone and said, here, this contains all of Ken Holland's emails for the past year, what would you do? I don't know. Like, like, I, 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 I don't know. Like, what am I going to do? Be like, go back and delete them? Like, <laughs> oh, no. No, that shouldn't have happened. I'm going to delete this. No, it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm guessing is the question, like, would we would we publish them, you know, a la WikiLeaks? <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. No, 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 uh, no not, not that I'm saying we should do that. But yeah, I'm saying, no, no, yeah. I, 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 you know what? I, I'm not going to comment on that, but I don't know. I don't, I'd read them and that's about it. <laughs> And I would either be really mad or really happy. I would actually probably be a mix of both really mad and really happy. <laughs> I would announce to the world that I am um, in the middle of investigating them uh, several days before uh, an election. No, um, <laughs> I would back them up. I would save them. I would read them. I would pour over them. And depending on what's in them, I would blackmail the organization. I don't care. <laughs> If you don't give me season tickets, I will tell the entire world that you offered Henrik Zetterberg to Cleveland. <laughs> I probably wouldn't publish them, 
but I would I would read every one of them and I would get a lot more that would I, I don't know what I would do after I read them because I don't know what's in them uh, Acadiani 6 wants to know if the front office was replaced by the staff of Wingy at Motown uh, who would be assigned <laughs> to a bunch of positions so I'm just going to name a position and you guys just shout out what you think uh, who's the GM you Kyle? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Jeff. Uh, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's the assistant GM? Uh, and me, of course. Yeah. Sure. Okay, who's the I'll coach? Go, I'll go with that. Uh, Graham. Graham's the coach. He already looks like okay. a Yeah, he's a coach. <laughs> he's got dad coach written all over him. <laughs> <laughs> the director of scouting. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Michelle. She knows yeah. these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm torn there between putting her as director of scouting or director of player development because mm. uh, I think she'd be good at that too. Um, I'll put uh, I'll put Lauren as the director of player development. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> The easy one, director of statistical analysis. That's yeah. that's for chance. Right. <laughs> Members of the broadcast team. Uh, let's see. I would put Mike on the broadcast mm. to say weird things. Uh, honest. I'd put Jeff on the broadcast. Yeah, that would make sense. He's got experience with that. He does the thumbs up thing. <laughs> Strong thumbs up. Uh, Datsuki and Freak asks a really good question based on on the game that we that we just witnessed. Question for the crew: What are each of your methods for dealing with the frustration brought on by shitty play, bad losses? Honestly, it's we have a we have a personal chat and just uh, all caps locking uh, swear words, um, and then taking about ten minutes, maybe twenty minutes after the game to cool off is about the best I can do. <laughs> <sighs> hey, I, honest to God, it's really hard after games like tonight. Like, it's really hard. Like, I and that's what she said, but I, like, yeah. I mean, I'm I I'm pretty much of an even tempered person. You know, I don't really. <laughs> yeah, I, I am yeah. not. <laughs> I mean, JJ like, isn't either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like I, I, I don't know. Like, like, I don't usually get too up or too down. Um, you know, I think you know, I've been. Uh, you know, think back to high school teachers. I've been teaching for seven years, and I think I've yelled once. You know, uh, now obviously oh, that you know. I mean, I don't let sure. people walk over me. I just don't. I just tell them they're in trouble, but I don't yell at them. You know, hey, you got a zero. Nice going. You know, but um, I don't know. I I mean, I was pretty upset after tonight, and I'm not saying I'm not upset, but I don't know. I guess I kind of get over it quickly. Not that I'm okay with it, but. I don't know. You don't care. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. You, you got me. You got no heart, no grit. <laughs> um, it depends. Like if like things are are going real bad, I've occasionally thrown my mouse, and I always feel like such a shit heel for doing that. Um, mostly I seethe. Like I just like quietly just sit there and bathe in the wave of. Yeah. Twitter horseshit that comes into the whim feed. <laughs> it's just the most vitriolic 
dumb shit gets said to Wim after games like that. Um, so I just like read it and just take it in and just try to appreciate just how mad everybody is with me too. Um, <laughs> and then I just I just kind of seethe. I seethed tonight for ten minutes. Uh, yeah, sometimes you just need to like sit back and read the just putrid negativity on Twitter or in the comments of any website and just go and just take a long sigh and just stew like a miserable putz. Wow. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, Chicago's up 8-6. I know. Uh, yeah, base is loaded. Fuck them. Go tribe. <laughs> The only reason I care is I want to be happy for Graham. I could not. Other than that, I could not care less who wins. I want to be happy that a bunch of Chicago fans are miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. By the time you listen to this, you'll already know that whether or not I'm happy with that. Uh, let's see. Do we actually want Yurko coming back? Of course, you want Yurko coming back because you want the guy to be healthy. But I mean. If I knew that, you know what? Most Red Wings fans would say, I don't want Cronwall coming back. But if I thought that, if I knew that Cronwall was coming back 100%, Cronwall, uh, he was like maybe five or six years ago, the fuck yeah, I want him back. Um, but, sure. you know, yeah, of course I want the guy to be healthy, but do I think that he's going to be an impact player? No, not really, because the Red Wings aren't going to put him in a position to be that. So. I can think of two wingers that I'd rather not have in the lineup over here. Well, <laughs> just two? JJ. Specifically I could think, two. I could, yeah. I, you know what? Between you and I, uh, I'd, I'd take you over two wingers. <laughs> and Jay, oh, man. True. Jeff is uh, sending me pictures of his alcohol. So <laughs> that's why well, he is. It's alcohol this time. Yeah. That's why yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, penis joke. <clears throat> and then the very last question by Oaks Eleven: uh, Wouldn't would you rather rub your entire body in poison ivy or extend Steve Ott? Uh, it's easy for me. I don't get poison ivy. Rather I, rub my poison ivy I would take the I would take the hit. God, just give me the poison ivy. Put it in my mouth too, if you want. That's what she's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for us guys, do you have any other hockey-related thoughts tonight? Uh, not really. <laughs> yeah, no. Hockey is a, a pile sport. of hockey is a pile of shit tonight, and uh, <laughs> it, tomorrow it will be a pile of shit too. So um, until Friday, uh, I guess. Um, for JJ, for Peter, for myself, your host Kyle. This has been another episode of Wing at Motown Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Take care. Wing it,